Hello there, and thanks for joining us for another Journal Club. Today, um, today's show is going to be um, with Ken Wesley, who comes back. He's a third-year vet student, um, and this time we're we're talking about uh, a pretty important topic. Um, we base our discussion around the JAVMA article, characteristics associated with negative attitudes towards mental illness among U.S. veterinarians, and that sort of springboards into a, a little bit of a larger discussion um, on mental health issues in our profession. And I hope that will turn into um, a, a broader discussion for everyone. So um, thanks for listening and hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. Uh, I'm excited to invite back to the program Ken Wesley, one of uh, third-year veterinary students at the University of Florida. And he has come back to talk about uh, another study. This, is, this one is entitled Characteristics Associated with Negative Attitudes Toward Mental Illness Among U.S. Veterinarians, and it is in JAVMA. And the authors are Drs. Kassem, Witt, Nett, and Carter. Um, and so I'm really excited to have you back, Ken. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm really excited for this topic. It's something, you know, mental health issues in general are something I don't think we talk about enough in veterinary medicine and certainly something we don't publish enough on. So um, my, you know, hats off certainly to the authors for taking this on. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, so tell me a little bit about this study, Ken. So just a little bit of background. So it's kind of a hot topic. As you said, the CDC recently published um, that article that said that veterinarians are at a higher risk of suicide and mental health related issues compared to the general population. Um, this study um, sort of it used VIN, which is um, an online platform, and uh, gave out a survey regarding um, mental health and, and people's, um, people's view on two different, basically on whether they thought that treatment was effective for mental health disorders. That was one question. And then the other question was um, whether whether that person thinks um, social support is helpful for mental health. And then they were asked whether they agree, agree, strongly agreed, agreed, neutral, disagreed, or strongly disagreed based on those two statements. Um, they then kind of stratified the population based on, on gender, on age, um, whether they were married, whether they had children, occupation, whether they were in a single, um, a sole a doctor practice, um, whether they were part of um, a broader organization like the AVMA, and then um, sort of how they had experienced, if they had um, like thoughts of suicide, if they had increased mental health disorders or... Um, yeah, their own personal their own experience personal with experience. mental health issues. Yeah. yeah. And then whether they had had the, with, um, with that mental health, whether that had been experienced in veterinary school or outside veterinary school. Yeah. So that was kind of what the study was looking at and just getting a broad overview of kind of where we are and looking at these different subpopulations of our field. Yeah. So this was, yeah, this was part of a large, uh, a large survey that had gone out. And so what these authors were doing was just picking out those, those two statements, as you said, um, I think it would be helpful to just, you know, those statements in particular. So the first mm -hmm. one, um, you know, treatment can help people with mental health, mental illness lead normal lives. Do you agree, strongly agree, you know, or disagree? And then the second one was people are generally caring and sympathetic to people with mental illness. Do you agree with that statement or not? And, um, and so just looking at those statements, which have been used in other studies, so that this was, these are statements that have sort of been validated in other studies. They didn't just come up with these um, on their own, um, which is, which is kind of nice to see, um, you know, that they're, they're using, um, 
methods and tools, instruments that um, have been validated elsewhere. Um, and then, as you said, they gathered a bunch of demographic information um, and they tried to look at people's attitudes towards those two statements in relationship to various demographic information to see what, what can we glean from that. So um, what did they find? Um, so with the treatment um, question, they found that um, men were more likely to disagree with that statement. So um, men were more likely to disagree with that statement. A certain, it was more like um, people who had been out of practice for like 10 to 15 years, people who were solo practitioners, mm -hmm. um, people who were not a, oh no, I think that was the social support, but um, solo practitioners for this one. And then people who had, um, who had experienced suicide or suicidal thought. Suicidal yeah. attempts or suicidal thoughts. Yeah, so th there, some of these things were sort of surprising to me. So, yeah, so in this one, if you disagreed with the statement that um, treatment can help people with mental illness lead normal lives, if you disagreed with that, so basically men thought that, like, treatment probably can't help you to lead a normal life. Men were more likely to, to think that. I think when we sometimes do a bunch of negatives, it gets confusing. Mm -hmm. At least for me, it does. So men were more likely to think that treatment maybe can't help you lead a normal life. Um, people who are practicing by themselves um, were more likely to, to think that treatment can't help you lead a normal life. Um, but then the thing that really surprised me, and or maybe it was just kind of disappointing, was that people who had um, mental health issues, either serious psychological distress, um, and they, they you know, kind of characterize that, or had been treated for a mental health disorder in some way, were both also more likely to say, that treatment of mental illness is not going to be able to help you lead a normal life. And like, that was really sad. Yeah. Um, Cause my expectation was, was actually maybe naively that it would be the other way around that people was like, yeah, I've been treated for this and now I lead a normal life. But that, that makes me think that people who have, um, you know, some sort of struggle with mental health um, illness or, or, you know, serious psychological distress are not feeling like they're leading a normal life, which means their treatment is, Maybe I'm overreaching yeah. on that, um, but that's kind of my my first reaction is their treat that person's treatment must not be helping, right? Because yeah. if you have this and you're being treated and you feel like you lead a normal life, you're probably going to say yes, this this can work. So that's um, that's a, a kind of a sad um, you know finding for me of that study. I don't necessarily understand why there would be a gender difference. I, I believe that there is. I, I believe that they found that. I don't really understand why men would be. Um, more likely to think that treatment for mental health um, would be effective. Um, you know, they didn't further break it down into, you know, was were men more likely to have um, reported serious psychological distress or mental health treatment. They didn't, they didn't go to that level in this. Um, and I, I doubt that that's necessarily true. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if you've come across anything else um, in your understanding of this, Ken, why, why men would be maybe more likely... To think treatment won't help. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's, I mean, the, I think this article is interesting in the fact that it raises more questions yeah. than it necessarily presents. And I don't think the point of the article is to necessarily um, address, answer all the questions. Answer all those yeah. questions. But because we know so little about this, so it's just yeah. kind of giving us that baseline information. But I mean, we also have, um, uh, you know, it's just interesting to think is, also, are these things that we are, that these demographics are experiencing, or that we are experiencing as veterinarians, is are these, is this a more veterinary phenomena? Because mm -hmm. we do have an increase, like studies have shown that veterinarians have an increase, um, higher percent of, of 
suicide and mental and depression and and things like that? Or is this just because of the way that as a general population, we're all society at large. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, by this, you would, you can make the assumption, you're making, you're making assumptions like several leaves, but it's like, are men thinking that treatment is not working because it hasn't worked for them? Or are they thinking that it's a preconceived notion? Yeah. Or they Mm -hmm. think that, oh, treatment doesn't work and people should, they're always going to have issues. They're always going to have we issues. We can't get over that. Just, yeah. Yeah. I don't so know. We don't know. I, mean, so. I think you're spot on that. And and again, the point of the study wasn't, we're going to answer all the questions we have about mental health. That's that's clearly not what their goals were. Um, but it does raise a lot of questions and just kind of, you know, drives home the point that we have a lot more work in this area to, to get to the bottom of these things and try to figure out what's really going on so that we can then address it and try to, um, you know, educate people, veterinarians in particular, but people in general about, you know, what, you know, mental health awareness, like what, you know, what, um, what are some of these mental health problems and what can we do, um, to, to sort of help people. And, um, but, but there were definitely some surprising findings and it's hard for me not to then postulate, like, I wonder why that would be, um, to try to try to think through it because the why ultimately gets to how do we fix it, right? If we, if we can understand the why. So, um, as you said, there, there's more work, but, um, so then on the other um, you know, statement that they ask people about, which is, um, are people are generally caring and sympathetic to people with mental illness? Um, who is more likely to to disagree with that statement? It was actually women who uh-huh. are more likely to disagree. Um, it was an older population of like forty to fifty or so mm-hmm. uh, people who were not in um, uh, professional societies like the AVMA, mm-hmm. um, and then. It was uh, people who had also had experienced mental illness in some sort of yeah, way. Yeah, like people. So this one, it was um, the the group with serious psychological distress. The the group that was getting mental health treatment, it, that one didn't end up being statistically significant. Um, but uh, but yeah, so in general, people that had some experience personally with um, psychological distress, distress or depression during veterinary school, um, were more likely to say, no, I don't think that people are generally caring and sympathetic to people. Right. I know (laughs) this was, this was a a bit of a, a a downer, this article. I mean, a really good article is just, but it's stuff we have to talk about. And I think that's one of the reasons we avoid talking about it is it's kind of a downer topic. Like it is, that's the reality of it. Um, yeah, but that's part of why people think, we're not caring and sympathetic to people with mental illness because yeah. I just want to sweep it under the rug. I want yeah. to avoid it. I want to not talk about it. And yeah. so we have to. We have to get uncomfortable. We have to have conversations that maybe make us a little bit, I don't want to talk about this yeah. because this is sad. If, if you know, the people around you um, don't think that you care if they're struggling, that's a problem <laughs> um, because I assume most people do care. You know, I, I really do think that the vast majority of people, especially if you went into vet med, like, let's be honest, you're taking a big pay cut, you're taking on a lot of debt, you're doing it because you care. Now, maybe you could make the very cynical argument is that you care about animals and not people, but that caring attitude probably translates across species, let's be honest. Um, And so I, I think that you know, from my perspective, like, no, we do care about each other. We want to know if somebody's doing well. We're just maybe not doing a good job of of saying that and, yeah. you know, walking the walk and talking the talk. I think that, again, I'm making assumptions. This yeah. is based on my own personal beliefs. But I think that sometimes the the apathy could be from, like, 
veterinarians being like, oh, well, I'm experiencing this, mm-hmm. so you should be able to get through this too. Oh, and yeah. it's like kind of like that mentality of, um, you know, I'm working really hard, and so you need to work just as hard, but everyone has their own boundaries and has their own right. limits, and, and it's about kind of working together and coming together and figuring out, oh, you know, oh, Saturday is not your best day to work. Maybe we can try to change the schedule yeah. and have it a different day because it's better for you and better yeah. for your mental health. And so I think yeah. it's just that kind of also goes with the support and that we need to just kind of be understanding of each other yeah. and, and our work schedules and our lives. And, and I think also it's being vulnerable. Like it's, you know, f- we need to create an environment, a culture um, in our profession and, and this, you know, society at large, but we can focus on our, our profession because yeah, that's, that's where we are. Exactly. We'll take it baby steps. <laughs> Even this is not really a baby step, right? Yeah. But part of that is, you know, admitting when we're struggling. And, um, you know, if we all are always kind of, you know, doing that like Facebook, Instagram veneer, everything's perfect. Life is wonderful. I never have a bad day. Well, then somebody else over here having a bad day is like, well, I'm the only one. Everyone else seems to be managing everything just fine. Like, I'm clearly the outlier when, like, that's very unlikely to be true. Like, everybody has struggles and everybody has things. Um, everybody has their bad days. And and I don't mean to trivialize people with mental health disease. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I'm not trying to equate somebody having a bad day with somebody having clinical depression. That's not what I'm saying. Those are very, very different things. However... I think when we all feel like we have to put this mask on and this facade that everything's great and my life is perfect and I don't have any problems, we are inadvertently creating an, an environment where nobody feels comfortable to admit when they're struggling or that they have um, that they struggle with depression or that they have other mental health challenges. And so I think that's something that um, folks who don't have depression or you know have never considered suicide, that's one way that we could maybe help is just, you know, again, not to trivialize people with true disorders, but to say, man, I'm, I'm really struggling today. Like today has not been a great day. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just not feeling my best. Even just, just something like that, I wonder what an impact that might make on somebody else who really is struggling. Yeah. And checking in with people. Yeah. How are you okay? And, you know, ever, especially with I love emergency. I'm talking yeah. <laughs> preaching what? the choir, but yeah. um, you know everything is always so chaotic, yep. and, and everyone's kind of sometimes when there's so many patients, they're kind of dealing with so many different things at the same yeah. time. So just like, oh, do you need help with that catheter or whatever? And yeah, and but that in a way that's also checking out with how Absolutely. are they doing in general. So it's oh, are you okay? Do you need help with this? And I think it's just you know having that support um, is just yeah. really important and. And we just really need to keep emphasizing yeah, that. Checking in and meaning it is and the other thing. It, yeah. And and because I think it's really easy. Hey, how's your day going? Fine. That, yeah. That's it. That's the whole interaction. We've done our part. For, you know, we've been civil to each other. But like, you know, hey, how are you really doing? Or if you sense somebody is struggling, um, you know, yeah. T- maybe rather than say, how are you doing? Fine. Hey, tell me about your day. Oh, I, I can't. I can't just answer that with yeah. a one word, you know, like, tell me about your day. Oh, you want, you want details. Yeah. Well, in that case, you know, get ready. Um, so I think we can do small things, like you said, to, um, to change our behavior and check in with one another. And if you notice somebody who isn't quite themselves, like, I think it's okay to say that, say, yeah. Hey, Ken, I noticed like, you just didn't seem quite like yourself today. Is there anything you want to talk about? And you might be like, well, I'm, I'm having some struggles, but like I'm dealing with it. Um, but you know, thanks for asking. Or you might say, wow, um, actually, yeah, I am struggling. You know, maybe that's just the, the you know, the open door somebody needs um, to talk more about it. Um, and, you know, that's something, um, one thing I've struggled with is, I, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm very fortunate and I have not struggled personally with depression um, or um, major mental health challenges. And in that, it makes, 
it's it's made it hard for me over the years to know how to broach that with people who I think might be struggling. And and I, I think there's a lot of people who are in that same boat. They're like, I, I don't know. And so the first thing I have to recognize is that I don't know what you're going through. You know, I don't, I can't fully understand what you're struggling with. But I recognize there's a problem and I'm here to help how I can. Tell me, you know, what I can do to help. Um, and I have found that that works fairly well. Again, I'm not here to fix your problems, but I'm here to say, um, I'm here to listen. I'm here to help. If I can facilitate getting you professional help that you need, like I will do that. Um, but as uncomfortable as it can be and, you know, being afraid to like say the wrong thing, what if I say the wrong thing? Well, probably will. And I'm sure I have over the, over the years. I've said some dumb things, but trying to help and saying the wrong thing once in a while is probably better than ignoring it altogether. Um, that's definitely been my experience when I have reached out to people that I sensed were struggling um, is that the outcome ended up being better because I was able to help them get the help they needed. I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a registered you know, counselor or anything like that. I don't pretend to be, um, but I can point you in the direction of where those people are. And so for, for people who aren't personally struggling, struggling with mental illness, but maybe are concerned about somebody, my advice to you would be don't, don't be afraid to reach out. Like you said, we just let people know that you care. And it, it might take a little bit more and it might make you a little more uncomfortable than just saying, hey, how's everything going? You might have to push yourself out of the comfort zone a little bit more um, to, um, to make sure that they hear you. Um, because somebody who is struggling with depression, for example, is going to, like, the voice in their head may not be telling them logical things. Like, oh, that person's asking me how I am. Yeah, they don't actually care. Like, that might be what the voice in their yeah. head is telling them. They don't, they don't actually mean it. They don't actually care what you th how you're doing. They might be being told by that voice in their head a bunch of wrong things. So you have to be louder than that voice in their head is sort of how I think about it sometimes. Like, be persistent. Hey, you know, I, I sense I sense you're not doing okay. Do you want to talk about it? Um, and, and yeah, and that train the training and and workshops and things yeah. like that are kind of I think I think the next step. I think vet med has I've seen I think they've done a good job now. That kind of I mean we still have more ways to go. We're doing better. We're doing better. Yeah. Like what from what I understand is that like. 15, 20 years ago, like this wasn't even really a top. Oh, no. Uh -uh. And so to bring this up now, everyone's very aware. We have our, our wellness lunches here at UF. Yeah. I, I was, not to my own heart, but I was a wellness coordinator for yeah, Sabma. So you. I did that and that was really great. And it was good to like bring that attention and, yeah. and have different events and things. Um, uh, and so I think we've now made it aware, but now it's kind of like the next step. Like, yeah, we got to keep going. How do we change culture? But that takes a long it doesn't like happen overnight is, yeah it doesn't happen overnight doesn't happen overnight. but it is changing mm -hmm. like the fact that we are having this conversation now is is that's evidence that things are changing like you said 15 20 years ago I can attest these these were not conversations we were okay. having um, and and so you know I think the fact that we're not where we need to be doesn't have to mean that we haven't done a good job so far like we are making progress things are way better there are publications um, like this one uh, in JAVMA which is again probably going to have the most readership of any um, journal in veterinary medicine and so you know the hope is that things like this can reach a lot of people and just have conversations um, increase awareness and and so um, so you know these types of studies are really really important it's not the end we're not done um, we're you know uh, on the path 
but at least there's a path, you know, that like, you know, so kudos to the people who have forged that. And then people like you who are trying to continue that. Um, I think we're, we're making progress and we, we clearly need to keep working. Um, you know, studies like this show that, um, but it's, it's encouraging that, that we are trying, um, because we'll get there eventually. It's, it's going to take time, but if we keep trying, we'll get there. Yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah, I think we need to obviously have more discussions about mental health and, and um, awareness and, and different things. And hopefully we can um, maybe try to continue that on this podcast once in a while. Um, but thank you, Ken, for coming, uh, coming back and talking about this is another really great study. Um, and I hope people will go and, and read about that and, and maybe um, expand their, their knowledge and understanding about um, some of the mental health issues facing, facing our profession. Um, so thank you again for, for bringing this one to our attention. Yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about this today. Thanks for listening to today's show. I'd like to thank Topher, my producer. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Vet Journal Club. Our website is veterinaryjournalclub.fireside.fm. Email us with questions, comments, or show ideas at veterinaryjournalclub at gmail.com. And remember to check back weekly for new episodes, and we'll catch you next time.